0: I'd like to invite you this morning to stand for a reading from God's Word out of reverence for His Word. We're going to read the 106th Psalm, the first 22 verses. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord, or fully declare His praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what's right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation, and join your inheritance in giving praise. We have sinned, even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake, to make him his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and, dry, and dry it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, and from the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their cravings. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for. He sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp they grew envious of Moses and Aaron, who were consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abram. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb, they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged the glorious God for an image of a bull, which eats grass. Here we go again. They forgot. The God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds in the Red Sea. You may be seated. Uh, this morning, as we look at this writing, there's a pivotal problem, and there's a pivotal answer to our life. Now, we use this word this morning, pivotal, and the problem is ingratitude. The word pivotal means it's important. It's a big-time decision. It means that you're either going to pivot in one way and your life will be blessed, or you're going to pivot in another way and your life will be miserable. And the problem here is ingratitude. Uh, the phrase that stands out in my mind in Psalms 106 is a shocking phrase. They soon forgot. Can you imagine if you had been one of them? you have been a slave in Egypt God had riled you up, you have been on this journey, the Egyptian army is chasing you, you get to the Red Sea, it parts. He says, my goodness, they walked through like it was a desert. It was so dry. God was so powerful. They get on the other side, they can look back and see their enemies are destroyed. I mean, you've been through that, you think, I would never turn my back on God, but they forgot it. Now listen, it wasn't ten years later, it wasn't five years later, it wasn't a year later, six months later, a month later, it wasn't even a week later, it was three days later they can't find water and instead of asking the God who parted the Red Sea, they grumbled. Three days later. And my friends, that's the challenge for us. We so quickly forget. Now, now why is ingratitude such a pivotal Issue. Let me give you a quotation that I wasn't sure of when I first read it. It's from an author named Timothy Keller. He said, ingratitude is the root of all sin. Think about that. Ingratitude is the root of all sin. Really? Why is ingratitude such a big deal? But let me, let me put it this way. It's spiritual plagiarism. Why we don't like someone who plagiarizes someone else's work is because they are a theft and they're lying. They're taking credit for what they didn't do. And my friends, when we aren't grateful, we're, we're, we're committing spiritual plagiarism. We're acting like the blessings we have, the life we live is something we've accomplished And my friend, this morning, if you come to this assembly and you're in good health and you have a good mind and we're not in war as a country, then we are a blessed people right now if we didn't count anything else. And yet, so often, we soon forget. And then this this pivot takes us in one or another direction. It either leads us down that, that line of ingratitude where we think it's all up to us and all us, or that, that, that street of thankfulness where we recognize the presence of God. Now, this is such a powerful idea. I want you to look at a couple passages with me. Go to Romans chapter 1, and, and we'll see the very outline that we saw in the 106th Psalm. Romans chapter 1, he's talking about people who pivoted in the wrong direction. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they've experienced God, They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. That's the first part. That's the first step, guys, is to not be thankful. And then what happens? But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. How are you a fool? They exchanged the glory of their mortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged God for idols. We still do the same. Well, what did God do? Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. God finally says, okay, if you choose this direction, I'm not a bully. I'm not going to make you. Go on. I don't want this. I love you. It's not my, my plan for you. But you, have, you don't even give me thanks for what I've done. You're not even trying to follow me. Now, this, this is what struck me this week's study, is if you go back to 106 Psalm, verses 13 through 15 are almost parallel to what we just read in Romans 1. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert... They gave in to their cravings. My friends, every one of us have cravings and lusts and desires that are not holy. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So what does God do? The same thing. So he gave them what they asked for. My friends, that's the truth of God's word. God is going to give you what you ask for. And today we talk about a very pivotal decision. Do you recognize him and thank him and praise him? Or do you forget him and act like life's up to you and live by your own plan? There's a fantastic quotation from C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done all that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there would be no hell. What's he saying? In the long run, God will honor your choices. And the pivot point of your choices is highlighted this week in this holiday. Are you thankful? Because we are so much like these um, Jewish people in that, that we soon forget. I don't know about you, But but, but God does something in my life so wonderful, and it it might not be three days later. I've forgotten it. I'm on to the next project, the next goal, the next idea I've got. And guys, I would even say today, in our culture, it's probably even easier than back then. Let let me give you four reasons this morning while, while we struggle with thankfulness in our culture. Number one, we have this entitlement mentality. I'm just entitled. I'm entitled when I'm in my early life, to live in a house like I grew up in. Uh, we're, we're struggling in government right now to figure out what people are entitled to. What is we, Again, I'm not debating this, these two issues or not, whether government should do this or not. But I think it's dangerous when we start saying health care is a right. Going to college is a right. You don't have to prepare for it. You don't have to study for it. You don't have to save for it. It's just a right that we owe you. And so in our culture, we think that. I mean, I see families, probably done it myself before, where you're in terrible financial shape, you know. You're at the brink of bankruptcy. You can't only pay your bills. But we in America believe we're entitled to a vacation. So I see people who just, they can't, they can't afford it, but they think they're owed that. They're not going to stay home and save the money. They're going to take the vacation. They're owed. And my friends, listen to me. It's that entitlement mentality that keeps us from really being thankful to God. If I think I'm just entitled to all these things, then then when they happen in my life, I think they're about me. I don't thank God for them. And then let me give you number two is excessive speed. I think this may be my problem is I don't take the time to notice what God has done. Well, why not, buddy? Because I'm in too big of a hurry. We don't slow down enough to smell the roses. You ever lived in a really beautiful place? Maybe you live there now and, and yet you take it for granted. Maybe behind your property there's a beautiful mountain or there's a beautiful stream and, and you've lived there so long that you don't notice it. I remember when we lived in Pensacola and, you know, we, we could go down to the bay or you could ride the, the bridge over to Pensacola Beach and, you know, after you're there for a while, you you don't even notice. And it would take someone from out of town coming and going, while well, we're making that trip, wow, you live in a beautiful place. And I would wake up and go, yes, I do. And so many of us, we have so many good things going in our life, but I don't stop and recognize them. They become so familiar to me that I don't thank God. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's the person sitting beside you right now. Maybe it's that job God blessed you with. Maybe it's the beautiful sunset we're going to see this evening. Excessive speed. Now, here's a, here's a big one. Media overexposure. Anybody can relate to this one? Does, you know what they, they give us on the, the nightly news? They remind us of what's not right. You, you call that? You know, that, that miraculous birth, that salvation story, those hardly ever make the news because what we're looking for is what's not right. And if we are overexposed to that, we think the world's caving in. I had a good friend just a few years ago, Hal Leary, who said, you know what, I, I was getting so negative and so mad about everything going on in America that I just stopped watching any of the cable news channels. Anybody think that might improve our life? You guys, let's just throw this in. How about overexposure to social media? Anybody notice the harshness of the rhetoric, the unkindness of the words, the ugliness of way people speak to each other on social media? Anybody notice that? I'm just talking about football right now. <laughs> this might be the week we need to be warned. Because some of you are going to be tweeting and Facebooking during the game, and you're going to say some ugly things. But that's, that's sort of silly. But have you noticed the level of political discourse? Have you noticed the harshness? Have you noticed? And here's what bothers me. I expect that out of people who don't know Jesus. That's the way they're supposed to be. But for those of us who know Jesus, if my post is as negative and cynical and unempathetic and ununderstanding of the person on the other side of the political process, I'm not displaying my Christianity. Somebody help me out here, say a little amen. <laughs> those of you not clapping, you're scaring me, okay? <laughs> well, because guys, your Christianity and my Christianity, must permeate every area of our life. It must permeate the service, must permeate your home, must permeate your business, and it's got to permeate what we do on social media. There's got to be a difference. I'm not saying you can't take a stand for what you believe, but I'm saying you need to do it in a Christian way. I was reading of one church that was writing out a, a whole idea list for their members of how to avoid what many of us have been in the middle of. Let's be honest. And one thing they said is, before you punch post. Before you click it, before you send that quick email when you're mad, visualize yourself talking to that person face-to-face. Because, guys, it's so easy to post this harsh post, let them have it, because I don't really have to see them and see their reaction. So, my friends, we've got to watch out for that. Number four is American consumerism. You see, one reason we're negative is because we are so overexposed to negativity. That's what you feed your mind comes out. But but last, we're we're into this what we call American consumer. You say, buddy, what is that? It's the idea that our economy is based on the fact that you and I have to constantly be convinced to buy more and better and improve. Nothing wrong with that. But it tends to make me dissatisfied when I don't have the latest. So, if you have an iPhone 4, you had to get a what? 5. If you have a 5, you have to get what? And if you have a 6, you got to get a 7. And and you need to get a 7 plus if you're really cool, okay? I mean, you see how it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? Now, God did interrupt that with the Galaxy 7, Okay? (laughs) that just exploded on people but I'm I'm saying because we we all get into that because some of you have iPhone 4s but do you realize that other people make fun of you and if you got a flip phone (laughs) right there we think you're lost Okay. I mean, I'm saying, guys, we're into this thing. Hearing this crazy, guys, a friend of mine said to me the other day we make fun of someone with an iPhone 4, and yet an iPhone 4 has more technology in that little phone than in the Apollo spacecraft. And, and that's and guys, nothing wrong with having an iPhone 7 right now. But if you get caught in American consumerism, you've got to have a better car and a bigger house and a better this and a better that, you're going to stay miserable. Because when someone else gets it and you don't, you'll be jealous. If you can't ever achieve that, you'll be unhappy. When the truth is, probably right now, you are blessed more than 98% of the people who live on this planet. It keeps us away from that. So what do we do? What is the answer? The answer, my friends, is thanksgiving. That's the pivotal practice. And the Bible says this over and over again. This is This is not a small issue in the Bible. It's one of the biggest issues. We've not made it that way, but it is. Philippians chapter 4 says, your prayers should be full of thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 3 says, an ungrateful heart is a sign of the apostasy. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, you ought to give thanks, this is crazy, in all things. And Psalms 106 says, when you forget, you'll go in the wrong direction. So as we went through Psalms 106, he mentioned four things they forgot. I want to flip those and challenge you before we walk out of here of four things for you to remember. If you haven't been taking notes, I want to challenge you to take notes right now because this can be an exercise you do as you leave this place for Thanksgiving. Four things for you to take some time to remember. First of all, remember God's power. He says, God did a miracle in your life. He parted the Red Sea and then you forgot it. When has something happened in your life that the honest truth is there is no explanation outside of the intervention of Almighty God. You were trapped. You were in trouble. Things were falling apart. But something happened that even you would call, I would call. It was a miracle. And yet, again, so often, may I look back in my life... I look back on the history of this church, my friends. God has done some things that I count as absolutely miraculous. But sometimes I get so uptight about what we're doing right now and what we need to do is that I forget about that miracle. If I remember the miracle, I'd have a whole lot more confidence in the future. Second, remember God's kindness. That's what they forgot in verse 8. Now the word kindness in the Bible is also often translated grace. Because you just take time this. Weak to remember when you were saved? Remember when God rescued you from that life of sin? And, And again, just don't stay on this thought very long. But can you remember the worst thing you've ever done? Don't stop there. And can you remember that God has forgiven it to a point that he doesn't even Remember it. Give thanks for His kindness. Remember the, for, the third one. Remember God's provision. When were you at a point in your life where you didn't know where the next meal was going to come? You didn't know what was going to happen in your life. You were lonely and God brought a friend in. You were desperate and God rescued you. And we've all got those stories, if we'll think back, of when, when God just provided I was brainstorming with Stephanie about this last, last night because I could barely remember, but she had the good details. We'd moved to Pensacola. We still owned a house in Tuscaloosa. We were paying, you know, you've been there, we were paying that double payment deal. And uh, in, in fact, just to tell you how bad the economy was back then, it was an $82,000 house. We were on a 30-year note. The payments were $900 a month. That's how high interest rates were. And so we're trying to make both of these, and our renters move out of our house in Tuscaloosa. And the truth is, we finally got to a month. We couldn't, we couldn't make it. We just couldn't do it. And we didn't know what in the world we were going to do. And we knew we were in trouble. And we had the life group that week, and there was a wonderful family. And after life group had dismissed, they hung around for a while and asked if they could talk to us. And so we started talking to the McReynolds, and, and they said, we, um, we sold— a piece of property the other day, and God really blessed us. And so after we sold it, we started asking God, what we needed to do with it. We needed to bless somebody else, and in God, we don't really know why, but God kept bringing you guys to our mind. And so we want to leave you, leave you this envelope. Oh, we were just so thankful. Then they left, and we opened the envelope, and the check was for the exact amount of our house payment in Tuscaloosa that month. Again, I had to get my wife to to help me remember that. You've got those stories. I know you do. Remember that. It will lead you to give thanks. And then, guys, here's the biggest problem. The last thing they didn't remember is in verse 21, it says they didn't remember God. They forgot the God who saved them. That's that's the big deal. The, The first three I've given you is when you remember... His power, what he did. You remember his provision, what he did. You remember when what he did this, this last one is, you don't just remember what he did, you remember who he is. OK? Remember the character and the qualities of God. You've experienced them. You've experienced abundant grace. You've experienced second chances. Remember that. Here's the way I like to think about it in my mind. If I can just draw a picture frame up here, okay? Now, within this picture frame this morning, if you could just draw me a picture of your life right now. What's good, what's bad, what's indifferent. Now, for some of you, that picture frame is awesome, man, because right now everything's going your way. But like the video said, for many of us, 2016, for many reasons, has been a hard year. And so the picture you've drawn in that frame right now it's sort of bleak, it's sort of dark, it's, it's very hard, it's okay to acknowledge that. But here's what else you must acknowledge. You must acknowledge, and you must put in the picture, God. Because here's what happens. Once you put God in the picture, it changes the whole picture. You keep God out of the picture and there's no hope. It's it's bleakness. All it is, all these bad things, you put God in the picture and your life begins to change. So I'm challenging you this Thanksgiving week. Take these four things, spend some time, write these things out, and begin to prepare yourself for Thanksgiving Day. That's our challenge. I like what one author says. We tend to remember what we ought to forget. And to forget what we ought to remember. I'm telling you this morning the things you ought to remember. And what I'm saying to you is this decision you're going to make, not just Thanksgiving, but every day of your life is pivotal. It will either lead you down the life of blessings and joy and peace, even when things aren't your way, or it will lead you to bitterness and anger and desperation. I often say to people on the stage when I'm, I'm performing their wedding ceremony, they're just about to get married, they're about to live with each other for the first time, and it's like, let me just go ahead and warn you, you're going to see a lot about each other you've never seen while you were dating. You're going to see a lot of really good things, and you're going to see some bad things in each other. And then I will say, the success of this marriage will greatly depend on which of those lists that you're going to read from. And when I hear God saying to us today about our relationship with Him, it will almost completely rest on the list you read from. Do you read from the list of God's blessings and provisions and power and forgiveness and kindness in your life? Or do you read from the other list? So I challenge you that some of you say, well, well, buddy... Man, I, God has been so good. When I think about God, can I ask you today, out of a grateful heart, would you respond to him? Why does someone become a Christian? Not because you got to, or someone makes you, but because you are so you can't get over what Jesus did for you on the cross. And out of a thankful heart today, you want to come to this front row and surrender your life to Jesus. I'm sure there's some people like that in this audience. That's what you need. That's what you want to do. And there may be some of us in this audience that the truth of the matter is we've been down the wrong path. We have pivoted in the wrong direction and our life is full of ingratitude. And and what I would say to you is what you need to do today is to repent. We've had a lot of sins confessed on this front row through the years. A lot of pretty big time sins. We probably ought to add up another big time sin and that's ingratitude. And just repent of that as this week starts. So let's go back to Psalms 106. Would you stand with me and let's read verse 1 that sums up what we ought to be doing. And then let's praise him and respond. Would you read this out loud with me? Start with that first line. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's praise him.